Hello, you're very welcome to another episode of See You at Yours from myself, Matt McGinn. I'm delighted to have on the podcast this time a fantastic singer, songwriter and folk sensation from Belfast, Mr. Joshua Burnside. Joshua has won many awards. He's got millions of plays on Spotify. In fact, he gives me the secret to how to get millions of plays on Spotify and I'm going to share it with you. No, I'm joking. We have just a bit of crack. So... I hope you enjoy the show. Um, if you do like it, make sure and like and subscribe. Follow it if you're listening on Spotify. Subscribe if you're listening on iTunes. Maybe leave a nice review. And once again, this podcast is brought to you by the lovely people of Two Stacks Whiskey, who uh, are just an amazing independent whiskey company. Uh, not too far from me. They're just unleashing upon the world a fantastic new product, Dram in a Can, which I'm sure you're going to hear about very soon. But check out twostackswhiskey.com and uh, go and sample their stuff if you're into whiskey at all it's just fantastic so see you at yours with Joshua Burnside hope you enjoy it so is Emily your other half is that the person your go to yes Emily is my uh, fiance oh lovely congratulations cheers yeah and uh, she would be the first person to hear uh, any new songs because I'd be sort of writing it in the living room or whatever and then um, she'd be the first person to get after me to get sick of it because she'd have heard me writing it and then recording it and mixing it and then she's so she gets pretty sick of them as well but she's got a good ear and I trust her judgment on a lot, on a lot of stuff so which is which is nice Mm-hmm. So I think with my wife and uh, she loves music. She loves like especially Dylan and and mm-hmm. Neil Young and stuff. Whenever I've got her concentration and, and I've got her focus, it's it's brilliant. And then if there's anything that's like whenever I start to maybe trim the fat in a song, it's it's you can see her lose interest almost. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, it comes back to that thing of like as I say like you know I might show her this mix and she's like going look I told you I told you the first time it's a good song you know and it it keeps reminding you of the going like no matter what lush orchestra or drums mm. you're going to put on it like you know if it's not there in the first place it's not going to be there like you know yeah big time I I, I I was having that thought when I was listening to some some Dylan stuff the other day uh, I, was, I can't remember what I think I was listening to Blonde and Blonde and some of the production on it is, is rubbish <laughs> I think <laughs> it's not rubbish but it's like it's really laid back and really like it really feels like they haven't they're not trying and they're just like I stick a <laughs> stick a mic there and that's I one take that'll do great job they all sound wasted and like you know it's considered one of the best albums ever so it's it's you do I know. you do stress about these things don't you too much I think I got that with the Rolling Stones it took me a long time to warm to the Rolling Stones because where it felt like the Beatles they were like really going like yes we want to get three mics in this piano and mm. line up 12 pianos and everybody doing something the Rolling Stones were just like eh <laughs> whatever you know but uh, but yeah. then you sort of get into that get into the groove that they're in and you're going ah shit yeah you know mm. it was there's always something there like you know I am a lost Goddamn liberal Manneries and all the Little things we tell ourselves to Give us back a Bit of me and I'll be Cause we dead for a while So if there's Nowhere for our Souls to go Then I don't want to be So, so worse. See the likes of the depths of hell mm-hmm. 
it seems a very complicated album. You know, it's not the sort of album that you walk into the boys, here we're going to do this. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's it's mapped out. It's almost like it needed, like, not a chart, but like a screenplay. <laughs> right, yeah. You know? Yeah. That's what I wanted it to feel like. Um, I, I think that comes about naturally because I'm recording it mostly in my studio here in the vault in Belfast. And because... Um, I can come and go as I please and, and take my own time with things and tinker and whatever and have full sort of creative control over the production side of things, then um, a lot of the time I'd be kind of writing the song while I'm producing it. So like the way an electronic artist would kind of kind of work. And I think that uh, creates that effect where it feels like songs kind of flow into each other in a very organic way and things just kind of happen and it's, it doesn't ha- doesn't normally follow that simple verse chorus first chorus bridge chorus end structure because mainly because i get really bored of the sound of my of, of a melody or my, sign of my own voice and i go like i really don't want to repeat this section i don't think it's good enough to repeat so i just either just have like a song which is like six verses and then it ends or verse chorus and then like outro <laughs> you know what i mean like, i just I, I sometimes repeating stuff once if it's yeah I, I don't see the point um sometimes i i get bored very easily with listening to music and, and i find it very hard listening to music a lot these days mm-hmm. and especially when it comes to an, an album you know i can't stand that whenever you like like likes of springsteen i love springsteen but i hate the way that stick on the album a track one you know what you're going to get for the rest of the album like you know yeah whereas whenever i'm creating music I almost sort of try and pander to me the, the the type of me who doesn't want to sit and listen to the same thing for too long unfortunately there's not a lot of me's I'm, I'd be safe for pandering to the, the people who are happy enough just listening to whatever you know <laughs> but uh, but yeah so so you're thinking the same you're almost sort of going I don't want you know I don't want me to get bored with this so if I get bored with this somebody else is going to get bored with it yeah. and just keep the interest going that's what I'm thinking yeah um, also I think it's just like a laziness um, of songwriting that like you know, sometimes I just write a, a bit of a melody and I'm like, oh, that's quite a nice melody and a few words. And then I'm like, oh, now I have to write like a different melody. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, uh, why don't, well, I, I find it more, I find it more interesting changing like textures and, and bringing different instruments in at different points and building it up and bringing it down. I find those like the, like coloring music in that way more exciting than um, changing the melody or changing the chords because I feel like every chord and melody is being played and sung to death in popular sort of mainstream music so I mean it hasn't but there's, some, there's other ways you can do it, you, there's clever ways of doing things but I, I think the the colours and the textures of stuff you can go, is almost infinite because so, so, like there's so, so many different sounds in the world, like types of sound, if you know what I mean. So that's that seems more like an infinite possibilities realm as opposed to like the twelve notes and the you know one three four chords and all the, all that crack or one four five and you know. For that reason, then and bringing in likes of especially for the last album, the depths of hell. Like I mean, you're sort of you're you're making it more three dimensional by bringing in all those aspects of like you know conversations or or folk artists the way the folk music would have always worked if i'm mixing a a folk record or something it's almost like the first thing you want to do is bring everybody into the one room Mm -hmm. you know 
and and there's a good chance that that it's been recorded slight you know remotely or that everybody's in different rooms and then it's brought together but you want to sort of get that sound that that everybody's in the same room whereas mm -hmm. with, with the last album it's almost like everybody's in the same room but it's like a it's like a friggin salvador dali painting you know where like the you know, some this guy's in the room, but the stairs are upside down. And you know, <laughs> this boy's like, this boy's riding a giant snail in the not you know riding riding, but like. You know. <laughs> I'm getting inspired so to like, write, write some songs. <laughs> some pretty uh, pretty out there imagery. I asked you before who mixed the last album, and uh, who was it you said mixed that again? I I mixed into the depths of hell. Um, Did you? Yeah. Jesus. Um, but but I think I wouldn't be able to hand it over to someone else to, to mix because I had a very... Because I wanted it to be have that sort of experimental sound and I, did, I didn't really know anyone who... I, I, I don't really know anyone who, who, who was doing what I wanted to do. Or, you know... Yeah, so... Well, man, it's, it's a... It's a that's, that's amazing because it's an astonishing mix. Like. Oh, thank you. I think there's there's weaknesses in it and there's bits that I, I like, but um, I think it is an improvement on stuff I've done before, probably. Hmm. I mean, I, I love mixing, um, mm -hmm. but um, but no, she's that that that's 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 blew me away. Now, the fact that so it started to almost become three dimensional even before you started mixing it. Really, was it? I suppose you knew the scene you were trying to paint before it got to the mixing stage I take it yeah well I, I kind of mix as I go along I don't really separate the processes out very much like as in like writing recording mixing it all sort of happens on the fly in one sort of so I'd be like recording the guitar part and then I'll just start like mixing the guitar before I've even started doing a vocal or or cutting it up in a weird way or, or and then chucking different instruments in just like basically throwing mud at the wall you know seeing what sticks other times it's a lot of trial and error and then I might be adding, you know, mad distortion to to an accordion before I've even finished recording the drums or whatever, you know. Just kind of kinda of, kinda of building it like bit by bit, like a like uh I don't know how to describe it really. I don't I think that's just some people say that you like it that some people hate that working like that because it's or complicates things, but for some people, but that's just the way I've always done it. So, it's sort of the way I had to do it. I've, I've a new computer now, but it's sort of the way I had to do it out of necessity because the other computer could not take that many tracks. So mm. it would have been like that. Maybe after after a certain time, I would have had to make a decision on the drums and say, "Look, you know, you're going into a, a, a two bus here, you yeah. know, and and staying there, and you know, you keep for the, the the other drums there, you know, blacked out for a while, and then after a month or so, you go." Yeah, I've never really felt the need to change them, you know. So yeah. it's, it's more like making decisions out of necessity, and hopefully with this the new computer, I'll I'll still sort of try and maintain that. Already, I'm getting lazy and just sort of, mm -hmm. you know, because it can take track after track after track, it's I'm able to throw it at it. But I think it's very good to just to keep that vision and to sort of, you know, as you say, just almost chop as you go, as you go. Yeah, not get bogged down on the perfection of things until maybe later on where well, if there's something really bothering you then then yeah go in and fix it but I think I think your best is to lay it down and uh, 
move on and then and come back to anything if it's particularly annoying, you know. Yeah. And would you have mixed it all there in the vault? Yeah, all here. I haven't got a Great. particularly impressive setup because I'm not really a, I'm not a gearhead. I'm not. I've never been like a gear nerd, so I've just <laughs> got a few speakers, Fire Studio, iMac, and all my uh, instruments, and uh, that's that's about it. Now, there was sorry, there was two tracks that weren't recorded here. There was uh, War and Everything, and Will You Go or Must I, which um, were recorded in. Um, Small Town America Studios in Derry and they were co-produced with uh, Keelan Austin he works there if you know Keelan you remember when we first met it was like something from a film you were plastered on the balcony undisturbed by the cacophony of Paris in the morning into the mystic blurred eyes of a party long abandoned save for a few I was introduced to the vault for by doing the podcast with Ursula. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think it's it's just I don't get jealous too much, but I was so <laughs> jealous. I was just seeing just that vibe and just that sense of sort of community yeah. that must be going on there. What give us your side of it? Yeah, it's a really um, it's a really special place and a lot of great people here. Um, I'm really I feel really lucky. I kind of got in um, quite early. Just my Emily suggested, oh, you can get, you might be able to get a cheap, cheap studio here, and um, before you know it, the whole place was was full within a matter of months, and um, it's a real, it is a, there's a real community vibe, and it's a real sort of uh, um, camaraderie. Back. There's it, then there is like a yeah, there's that, and there's people um, camaraderie, yeah, and people people look out for each other, and I'm, I've made a lot of close friends from from working here. And met met a lot of incredible, incredibly talented artists and clowns and circus people <laughs> and painters and other musicians and it's yeah, just uh, it's um it's, it's an it's an incredible just space in general like it's a huge old school, and I've got this big long room which is above two rehearsal rooms, and. Which I mean, it's dirt cheap, you know. I mean, it's freezing all year round, so <laughs> <laughs> that's why it's that's why it's cheap. So there's no heating, but um, it's uh, it does the job for me. I quite like the way you can, like there's people always milling about, and I haven't got proper soundproofing in my room, and all the different sounds sort of creep into the recordings in the background, and I quite like that because you just hear like a, a fire door slam or or seagulls up on the skylight and, or rain or whatever, and. Um, or p- people shouting and carrying on, and, and I kind of like all that extra ambience. You know what I mean? Class one. Suppose maybe if you need to, like, if if you're doing, you know, nothing for you or something like that, and you need to have like a, a male female conversation going on, you just go walk out <laughs> to the hall and grab two people and say, "Come on in here." And, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what way did it work over um, this last year? I mean, were you allowed to go in? Did it become a very different place? Like you couldn't really have the same crack. It's still a very different place at the minute because we we can't really hang about in the corridors and do any social communal thing. Like the communal areas are all closed off, so basically you're told to go when you get in, go straight to your room, don't mingle and chat to anyone, and and wear a mask. And so there's not really the same 
same sort of thing. But uh, of, obviously, you can't you can't be socialising at a time time like this, yep. I suppose. Um, uh, but when the first lockdown happened, the whole building was shut down, so everyone was you know homebound, and so that was a few interesting months because well, me and Emily and and our our dog, our Irish Terrier, <laughs> we live in a quite small terrace house and uh <laughs> trying to record or do anything in in that space i mean i mean i i can't really complain i can't complain at all i mean i don't have, I don't have kids and i don't have other response a lot of responsibilities that like, obviously it was tough for everyone and it was it was particularly tough for for people uh who had who have more responsibilities than i but um yeah it was tricky enough i'm glad to be back in here was it in the house then that you recorded the the ep um yeah, the far far over the sound in Maine. Yes, it it doesn't make it easy. The fact that every title of every EP and album is like about you know, ten words long. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shit with names. Like I'm so shit with names. <laughs> so uh, even if I enjoy the music, you know, don't be insulted if I don't remember oh, names no, and shit like that. Because <laughs> it was done like was it under the stairs of the house or something? Remember? Yeah, that's right. So I converted the the cupboard under the stairs into a little studio. A wee like vocal booth, and uh, to get a nice you know dry dry sound and um yeah that was that was fun it was good crack it was it was pretty painful for Emily because you know I'd be tracking all day long and she'd just be <laughs> losing her mind at me singing the same lyrics over and over and over again while she's cooking dinner because their rooms aren't separated you know it's just like one big room almost so um. But uh, she put up with me in the end, so I have to thank her for that again. <laughs> so every now and again, you put on that EP, and she's, you see the twitch starting again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that was the f- that that was a wee glimpse into like whenever, whenever I started listening to you, it was it was great. But sometimes you need context, and all of mm. a sudden that that EP allowed me context in terms of almost where you, where you're coming from. You right, know yeah. the songs that you chose for it, and the way that you sang them, and the way the way it mm. delivered them. It then um, contextualized, sort of. Yeah, and it, those EPs really showed, you know, your your voice and the control of your 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 tone, and and especially for a folk singer, I think some of the best folk singers, say the likes of Christy Moore, um, mm. you know, Sandy Denny, these ones here. It's almost like. They're not. They're not performing the song, or mm. they're just like a vessel for the song just to go through. Yeah, and and I'm I sort of find that with yourself that it's okay. like, you know, in in the and I I do think that's a class thing. It's like, it's like it's like an, an actor like Tom Hanks. Mm. He's he's brilliant, and and straight away you know him. But as soon as he goes into a role, it's not that he's unrecognizable. He's just he, he's just almost like neutral to everything else that goes yeah. through. And yeah, I think you, yeah. did you do that with 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 songs? Yeah, I think that is a folk music thing because it's the nature of the music is not about ego or it's not about I wrote this and it's all about me. It's about sharing music in a in a, in a non sort of um, the world revolves around me sort of way. So yeah, I think when it comes to folk songs, there is an element of you're just trying to perform the song like do the song justice and present it in like a, a as a, as honestly and um 
to 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 whoever as possible. Um, a lot of a lot of folk songs you would have been sort of passing on a tradition and taking a story that wasn't yours, but you're sort of you've connected with it and you're passing it passing it on. And as you say, with lack of ego, um, which is maybe why I'm drawn to folk music because mm. maybe a lot of stuff that I used to like, like guitar music, that probably is mm. far more egotistical. I just can't really do anymore. But um, mm. but then whenever it comes to your own songs, are you not then tempted to? push it more from you or how, how do you still maintain mm. that is it even conscious that you're maintaining that yeah uh, there are some songs that I'm like I'm writing and I'm writing like in the style of the folk idiom and I'm thinking more about like oh wouldn't it be great if this song you know got passed down and I got forgotten as the writer and it just became one of those songs in the tradition you know, like um, that, that, that to me is like that would be the most successful thing I could achieve is if a song goes off and then becomes like no one remember. Like you know, like you know all those like Lead Belly classics. You know, yeah. like like uh, House of the Rising Sun and all the standards, uh, um, all the old standards. Like to have a song that 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 lasts for hundreds and hundreds of years and people keep playing it. That, that's that would be like. I mean, I'll be dead, so it doesn't really, it won't matter to me then. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I like let that. You, I like let that. Your idea. great grandchildren fight over the the royalties of, of, like, the, you know? of the rights. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I like I like that idea. It's, it's the whole you know the Van Gogh thing. Like you know, there there is probably a a chance that that if we really wanted to make shitloads of money from doing this, we probably could do it. But if you're more mm. vested in just the I suppose the the the, the honour of being able to do it, mm. and and what that legacy that what that might leave, then I think you're you're inevitably going to put out better material. Yeah, I mean, probably. I don't think I could write music that made me more money if I tried. Like when I when I <laughs> like I used when I was maybe when I was younger or or a teenager, I used to think like all the stuff in the charts and all that. I'd be like, oh, it's, I could write that. Anyone could write that. Garbage, you know, it's all about the PR and the and the look, blah blah blah. And then as I got a little older, I was like, actually, no, that's that's kind of naive and immature to think. There's a lot of talented producers and songwriters that, although the lyrics might be a little uh, shallow, whatever, like sometimes, um, like there takes this is real takes it takes a lot of skill and. Um, and uh, talent to to put a song in the charts, like so. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of I kind of realized that as I got older that I I don't make that music because I can't. <laughs> I make the music, <laughs> but I make is it's just it's what comes naturally to me. Um, not that I don't like try and push myself in in different creative directions, but um, yeah, I don't think I could write uh, a, a big poppy, uh, charty charty tune if I if I tried really. Of land and sky to the almighty bank of Born in the blood, born in the blood, born in the blood, born in the blood. Every the first album was very successful. 
you know, in terms of like, you know, uh, Northern Ireland Music Prize, players on Spotify, you know, it, it getting your name up there. Did you start mm-hmm. to feel pressure then about the, how the quality is going to be of the next album? I didn't album? really feel a lot of pressure. I did. I felt a bit, but not. It wasn't. It wasn't so much that it w- it became a problem creatively. It wasn't. It wasn't stifling me creatively. I felt like a healthy amount of pressure. I think. Yeah. And I think I, I I'll feel a healthy amount of sort of pressure the next time. It's about you're always going to have that. Um, worry that people aren't going to like it whatever or you're not going to like it and as long as you keep that in check and just carry on and and not worry about it too much and not let it stifle you creatively then i think uh a little bit of that's normal and human you can you can't can't really ignore it um i haven't been writing a whole lot of songs i've been writing a lot of music a lot of instrumental stuff and sort of sort of experimental stuff but i haven't written a lot of lyrics in the last couple of months and uh it's which is you start to get a panic. Yeah, you you know what I mean. Where you go like, oh, as as the well run dry. <laughs> <laughs> so, but so then you write one song, then you and then you get back into the flow of it, isn't it? Well, that's yeah. what that's what I find. But um, you do have these moments where you're like, what what if like I I just my brain just turns off. Like like the right side, the creative side just goes. Nah, you're an accountant now. <laughs> you're an accountant now. <laughs> <laughs> you know Shit. what I mean. <laughs> but I mean, you're you're sort of setting yourself uh, a challenge because I mean, you know, like a lot of people would look at, at the output that you do come up and 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 call you prolific and um, whatever other uh, words. But it's like uh, you're obviously harsh enough on yourself that that it 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 gets the job done and you know and does it very well with a with a a lot of output. So I mean, say the likes of the the last album. Like into the depths of hell, um, it came out last year. Were you tempted to hold back on it? Uh, no, because I'd been sitting on it for a little bit, not 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 particularly long, but I don't like sitting on material. Yeah, because I, I, when by the time it's coming out, I'll I'll really dislike it, and I'll feel like I've moved on musically in my years a lot in a year. Um, even if to other people's ears, like they, they wouldn't really know the difference. To me, I feel like oh, I've I've changed a lot and matured or, or whatever, and uh, everything that I've written and and all that year ago sounds sounds kind of not not immature, but just I don't I don't like it anymore, and I, I don't want to present it to the world. So once I once I finished something, I really want to get it out quickly, which. Like just before this interview, I'm going through stuff that I recorded a year or two ago, a couple of years ago that I've been sitting on, and I'm tempted to release it sometime this year. It's just like six or seven tracks, um, but I'm a part of me wants to re-record it all, but but I like the recordings, but it's just a dilemma. <laughs> it's just like I keep going back and forth between wanting to record it all again and, and, and just leaving it the way it is and because I don't think people would really care as much as I do about the little details of of my voice or, or different lyrics or different production stuff so I don't know Well I think like a lot of your lyrics are sort of like an you almost like can sense that, you, that they were um, be it right or wrong uh, that they were written in the moment and it is like sort of like a like a 
uh, conscious thought rather than uh, mm. so I can imagine how you almost maybe like you were talking about almost calling yourself lazy earlier on for, for not wanting to finish a song but I could imagine how you get to the end of a, a, a stream of thought and decide that's that's all I really want to say about that yeah you know and in the same way you know for you to revisit those those streams of consciousness it's you know it, it's not always going to be the most comfortable mm. thing to do and and yeah uh, and and uh like I, 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 at the minute, like I love, like I think it's almost sort of back to the, the sixties sort of vibe where it's like, I wrote a song, but two weeks ago, I've mm. uh, uploaded it, and it, it's it's it got its first radio play, you know, mm. yesterday, and it'll be out next month, you yeah, know, that's, back to great, this bringing the, stuff out like that, you know, yeah. like the Keith Richards vibe, hearing him talk about satisfaction, he woke up and he played it. Uh, the riff and six weeks later it was on top of the pops you know so it's like <laughs> like I, I, I just love that just get it done and bang it out and move on you know yeah yeah I um, know that's cause that's how I that's how I used to release music when I before I had you know had management who were you know oh it's got to <laughs> have the the PR plan's got to be in place you need X <laughs> X amount of months um, and all this crack and I'm like what I, I want to get it done Get it out there. <laughs> They're like, no, no, you got to drip feed content. It's all about the content. And <laughs> I'm like, ah, oh, it's just there's a lot of there's a lot of crap that co- comes with being a being an artist that you just get, that is you didn't imagine you'd be doing a lot of just content creation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. From from their from their point of view, they're probably loving the fact that they're telling you to slow down rather than sort of you know having to drag you out of some party and going, look, we have to, you know, get this, get an, an album done. Like, you know? <laughs> so they probably love it in that way. Like. Oh, that's um, true. You lost Linton last year. I mean, that, that must have knocked you for six. Yeah, it, it did. He was, it was a bit of a mad one because uh, he was so fit and healthy and although he'd, you know, he had uh been ill for a while he seemed to be on the mend and and then things just took a quick sort of turn for the worst and in a matter of months you know a couple of months three months or something he was um he was gone like that and it was just it was it was totally devastating and i'm still sort of dealing with it and coming to terms with it and it's been quite hard to come to terms with it because of the whole coronavirus thing has kind of taken up a lot of mental space. Very true, yeah. Um, so I haven't. I feel like I haven't had the kind of mental energy to process. Yeah, and even it, I suppose like those those cups of coffee you would have had with different people or pints that you would have had in, the, in like over in the months following chatting about yeah. it that you haven't been able to have. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think a lot of people that were close to him. Um, I know Karen and Ryan quite well, and Elisa and, uh, and and Ben and a lot of people close to him. So I'm sure they're feeling just the same. Uh, just that it's been it was such a great loss, and it's been hard to hard to get come to terms with it because of everything that's happened afterwards. It's been so so mental. 
I, I would assume that just from the chattings that I have with him, I mean, he's, he's such a, like, you know, in a second, in the same way as you could almost sort of pick up a guitar and probably have that stream of consciousness come out, you know, mm. you could see that, like, one mention of one thing and all of a sudden he can see the, the plan and how to work it and, and yeah. you know, uh, you know, how did he prepare you for for not having him t- around, if you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I've learned so much. I couldn't have learned... I don't think anyone's taught me so much about the music industry and how it works and how to kind of go about doing things. You know, I was only working with him for a few years um, as my manager since 2017, so three years. And uh, in that time, I just learned so much about how things work. And yeah, so I'm, I'm eternally grateful for that. Yeah, that's the thing. It's it's and you know, I sort of mm-hmm. have always sort of said that that uh, I think that the like Northern Ireland it really could enter like a golden era over the next ten years of of mm. artists and and just music and arts that come out of here. But mm-hmm. it would have been you know it would have been almost in my head with the likes of Linton and people like that as linchpins. Yeah, and you know I, I do think that that the whole thing where it could go in my head has to has, has taken a step back over maybe a, a couple yeah. of years because of it you know? yeah yeah I think he would have been a big part of that sort of Northern Irish renaissance that's yeah. what we need yeah yeah <laughs> I but think uh, yeah he would have been would have renaissance been with, with, the, with the right you know with the right attitude in, in terms of like one of the things that, that I think that he had was just an ability to see the worth in people and the worth mm-hmm. in in what they can do and yeah. and say no I I'd be equally as as confident with that artist as I would be with a London based artist mm-hmm. or whatever like you know yeah so hopefully hopefully you know his that will continue well, yeah I think well we have Ben Ben McGee and Francesco Connor I'm working with he worked with Lyndon um at Champion Sound and at Quiet Arch they've been brilliant. It's been, they've been brilliant to work with and they learned a lot from him as well and I think they're carrying on that, that torch. Brilliant. And um, it's great to see all the work that they've been doing, all the different people they're working with and uh, how successful they've been the last, you know, um, year. Because I'm sure, like, I'm sure it was pretty, it would have been a sort of easy option for them after Lyndon died to just go go off and do something else but they know they took a leap and they they're um, they're smashing it so brilliant Well, here in terms of the likes of like in the depths of hell, um, and the fact that you do happen to sort of move on so quick after, after writing something and putting it out, can you ever see yourself uh, touring that? Like I would imagine, like your your management are going to be saying, like, you know, mm-hmm. as soon as this thing finishes, this pandemic, you know, give it another six months or another eight months. Um, you need to be out there touring into the depths of hell. Like, I mean, yeah. by that stage, you could maybe have another album ready to go. 
Yeah. Um, I think I'll... I think this time has been good to try and work out how to perform it because of the way it kind of came together. It's, um, it's, it's been great to have all this kind of time to work out, yeah, just, just the, way, the right way to do it live. So I'm, not, I'm actually looking forward to playing a lot of the songs from it. And, and I, I think it's given people time to actually hear them. Like sometimes when you put, you know, an album out or an EP, whatever, and you go and do your first gig after that and you expect everyone to know your new songs, which of course they don't. And it's a bit disappointing because <laughs> they just want to hear songs they know, which is normal. But this, hopefully people kind of come accustomed, accustomed to some of the songs and uh, and uh, we'll be ready to hear them live. So I think that'll be that'll be nice. True. Yeah. Have you any sort of like plans for touring as yet? Yeah, I think I well we originally we had planned for a tour in March. <laughs> which is not, How'd that go? Which, is, <laughs> <laughs> which obviously has been um, rescheduled, and now all those dates have been moved to December. So um, uh, yeah, our, our Belfast shows and it was going to be in the Ulster Sports Club has been moved to December, and all those tickets are still valid and all that crack. So um, yeah, just a, just a UK and Ireland tour that is penciled in for the end of the year and fingers crossed that uh, we'll be in a different sort of situation by then I'm terrified every time I, I read it about different variants and all that crack it just I despair the thought of, of, of not getting out of this sort of, of not getting to play gigs and go to the pub and go to restaurants and meet up with people is, for another year it would depressed maybe on belief <laughs> yeah yeah and i mean but yeah it's, it's not over till it's over as well in the same way yeah flashing blue the ambulance grew for an old local man my old man knew he was fine in the morning under the white land half pint of guinness frozen to his hand naked and soulless half naked and soulless. i can picture the time where, where i had uh, uh i had got an electric guitar from santa at age 11 and, and i rocked out like jimmy hendrix and all that there sort of stuff and it was almost like getting the distortion pedals to try and get it louder and all that there and yeah. uh, and more fierce and everything and then um one day my uncle uh, stuck on uh solid air john martin and i was oh, just yeah. like i was just like and he had a real nice sound system i think i was probably about 14 mm -hmm. and it was like it was like holy shit! i think that's that's like that's the power that i needed and it's from an acoustic guitar away and it completely messed yes. my head but i mean like i, I take it you weren't always you know, singing folk songs. Was there like a was there like a mm -hmm. pivotal moment where you sort of all of a sudden just flipped? Yeah, um, that's a good question. Actually, I th I think I would have been into like grunge and stuff, punk and things like that there when I was younger. So like, you know, Nirvana and uh, the Offspring and things like that would have been what I was listening to, and then. I think I sort of got into sort of indie music after that. It just sort of gra it sort of gradually got softer, and then it finally found, you know, 
uh, like Johnny Cash and Dylan and all those sort of American American artists, if that's what you can call them, folk artists, country and all that. And then from from there, sort of more Irishy stuff. It's it's weird that the Irish stuff sort of came after the the American stuff because it, it wasn't you didn't listen to a lot of Irish music growing up. Um, it's sort of something I came to in in my twenties and then kind of became gradually obsessed with. But uh, and who yeah. would you be obsessed with in, in Irish? I'd be a big big into the Dubliners and big into Paul Brady and and uh, the Bothy Band and all, and all those all those Brilliant. guys. And, um, but yeah, so. Um, but that yeah, it's strange the way that sort of happened because for most most people it's sort of the other way around their parents listened to that sort of music and then they hated it because it was always on in the house and then they so they turned to <laughs> something else but um, drawn by nostalgia then yeah but in, in our car it was Paul Simon and, and Dylan and, and all, all those sort of singers so yeah I was just um, thinking actually I was watching a, um, the way you're talking about the, the, the fact there's only 12 notes and, and there's you know you're even though the the, the you have endless possibilities. You sometimes do feel limited. Paul Simon I was watching a, a YouTube video of him the other day talking about writing. It was just a, an interview, and he writing about uh, about how he wrote "Bridge Over Troubled Water." I don't know if you've seen it. No, no. And uh, and it's class. It's almost like he is he's like the first um, artist to sample, you know, right. but w- without actually doing it. Where he's sitting there and he's, he's he's got the guitar and he's saying, "Yeah, well, I remember in the house there was a." Uh, this this sort of Motown band and they kept on s- singing this here chorus and sort of so there's this here and then there was like a back chorale um, mm. that, that was in my head and it was like da 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 and, uh, and he does mm. the chords under it and all and he's basically just sort of he could break the likes of Bridge Over Troubled Water down to maybe about 10 different songs and yeah. their parts and it's basically yeah. like he sampled them with the you know you know, yes. not not the actual physical recording, but uh, but I find it I find it quite. I, I he's one mm. of my. I, I think he's he's the boss. Like you know, yeah. I, I do think. Yeah, for me, for me, he's he's up there as as possibly the greatest. Um, for me, but yeah, there's other contenders, but he's 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 one of the best songwriters alive. I think. Well, in the same way as yourself, I, I think that I think he 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 marries. He's the he was the one to marry production and mm-hmm. and writing and performing, all in the one where where Dylan didn't really where the Stones didn't mm-hmm. really you know, in terms of a solo yeah. artist. I think I think also the way the way he comes to, comes at songwriting, uh, the way he approaches it, I find really inspiring and, um, because it's so playful and like relaxed. And he he'll be funny one second and really serious the next, and he'll tug on your heartstrings and then and then say something really, you know, um, uninteresting but f- funny or whatever. And it's just it's just great. Like I love the way there's there's great. You know the song Kodachrome. Yeah, yeah. Like how he came up with that was because he was you know playing the chords. He was like, all right, I want to write a kind of pop song and. I've got this line. I know I want to sing. I want the sound to be going home, going home, going home, going home. But it's like, but I've sang about going home already. Yeah. What sounds like going home, Kodachrome. Ah. And that's basically it. That's how the song started. And I love that because it shows how, you know, it's such, it's such an incredible song. And it, but, it, but, you know, it, the 
the genesis of of the of the creative impulse or whatever is is so uh i don't know kind of um silly or kind of not silly but well i, I think he sort of gave me whenever whenever i sort of uh write a song sometimes I sort of have this vision and I think maybe it might have been him that sort of give it to me where it's sort of like uh, like I've never seen anybody doing a sculpture a sculpture a sculpture mm-hmm. a s- sculpture s- sculpting <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh, but I almost imagine them sort of like with a big block of stone and mm. just walking around it just keep on walking around it for a while and all of a sudden they get the idea of what they might want to do but they don't know where to start and they keep walking around it and then all of a sudden they mm. see just this tiny crack in the stone and they go bang and it's almost like it's almost like that's mm. the, that's half the work done just knowing where to head it yeah yeah and I think Paul I think I think that's that's why I think I'm a lot more patient now in writing a song and just sort of and, and sitting in a chair rather than feeling I have to get something just being being happy mm. looking at a blank page for a while yeah. whereas that used to freak me out yeah, I think that's a really uh, an amazing kind of skill. I think I, I still get freaked out by the blank page. And I, what I do is I, I actually type most of my lyrics up because I type faster than I write, so I can get the words out quicker. I feel like there, it's a from my brain to the page is uh, stifled by the not by the pen. It's slowed down by the pen because I don't I don't he writes my handwriting shit as well. My, my handwriting is awful, <laughs> so uh, so to get it right, I have to. I just type, and I but all the time if I write, if I'm in writing songs, I would just just start and just whatever it is, even if it's total rubbish, just write, just keep going, and don't think about it, and just until I've got a page of of you know of nonsense, and then I, and then I start to take out the really rubbish nonsense and keep the little nuggets that I like, and that's one way of doing it anyway. Do you use a pen mostly to write your lyrics? No, never. Uh, mainly never. because my handwritten my handwriting is shite, and um, yeah. and also because I lose pages. Like I just, you know, I would. Yeah. I always have the the, I, uh, I always have the lovely vision of having like a, a big leather book, you know, you know, after <laughs> yeah. like twenty years, you know, with all my songs in it. But you know, that's not. It just doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. <laughs> I know that that book would be friggin' in tatters and it'd be half torn and ripped and and the hand I'd be sitting there going, what does that say? Uh, the shit. <laughs> so no, just keep it all on the computer and on the iPad or whatever you know. The, yeah. And voice memos and shit. <laughs> oh, the voice, the voice demos. So many, so many voice demos of me just in the car, you know, just like I've got this really great melody, and then and then you show someone it, and they go, "Yep, yeah, that's such and such by such and such," and then you go, "Oh yeah." <laughs> and all you hear is the you hear the car in the background. You just go, "That's just gonna be shit. That's just gonna be me." Going, I know, I know that's gonna be me going. <laughs> We're in my head at the time, and you this yeah, this makes sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh God. Like there was a playlist that came up on 
Spotify the other day for me called Essential Folk. So you had, you had the likes of mm. Dylan, you had Joni Mitchell, um, yeah. and I'm I'm sort of I started going the question in my head I was going like what is folk music, and then mm. all of a sudden like I was going okay well maybe it's different for different parts of the country or different times and stuff, and then Van Morrison mm. comes up and it's singing Caravan, and I'm going okay well that, that that's not I mean mm. I wouldn't clap but I mean what what do you is the genre just getting massive now or or yeah. what is folk music? Well, folk for me folk music's two different things. There's folk music, the genre, as in the word that's used to classify a, a style of music that, you know, has its roots in the folk music of the country that's based in. So that's, but not necessarily even, you know, but is you know is marketable and is and is you know a part of the system of pop music. You know, it's just, it's another genre like punk or reggae or whatever. And then there's folk music, which is like the actual definition of folk music even though it's the lesser used sort of version of the word which is you know music gets passed on orally and is not for commercial gain and that's that's what folk music is to me but i think i also use the word folk music when i'm just when i'm talking about you know um bob dylan or or um planksty or christy murray whatever um because that's just what people as people as how people use the word you know it's never static you know like you can't it's always changing it's always evolving like folk music and traditional music like every other genre is never never sits still it's not it's never just one thing it's always growing and evolving and new people come in and take it in a different direction and and uh that's just that's a part of the evolution of any type of music you know it doesn't it doesn't stay the same unless you you know like because people are always changing, the world's always evolving. There's a whole new generation of people coming up and taking it and running with it. Um, Did you have to struggle for a while in in deciding if you were deserved enough to be a folk singer? No, I, that's an interesting question. But I think I think it's for the music's for everyone, and I don't think there's anyone in any sort of style of music that would say like if you were you know a big jazz head and someone who never listened to a jazz record until until they were like 40 picked up a saxophone and said i want to be a great jazz musician i don't think that the the the, the actual the jazz musician would say no you're too late you know what i mean you, you're, this music isn't for you you know most You'd everyone is very... <laughs> <laughs> so well i think if they i think if they did they'd be that'd be a very foolish and kind of um that's 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 their problem that's their issue like music it doesn't belong to any type of people or you can get into it any age and you can you can make it your own no matter what style or or, or whatever i think it's um whatever you like get start doing it like i've started learning the violin this year and it's been an amazing journey i'm i'm still terrible it still sounds like a scratchy yeah. scratchy uh cat being being punched in the in the mouth <laughs> but uh i'm like i'm determined to like you know in 10 15 years be able to play twinkle twinkle little star <laughs> and uh because originally i was like oh if, if you ha- if you didn't start in people always said oh if you don't start you learn a string instrument in in school in primary school there's no point you know but i think nah yeah rubbish. 
I, well, I don't know. I, I started learning the violin when I was about 13 in school. And Jesus, I, I just, and especially when my hands started to get bigger and all of a sudden, like, they turn out to be shovels. And they're like, <laughs> trying to get what feels like this tiny. My, my wee girl there, she's uh, she's five and she came up to me the other day and she's like, uh, Daddy, I would, I, I'd say I would love to learn the violin. And I'm straight away and going, have you ever thought of the flute? Because <laughs> I know what it's like to hear somebody starting playing the violin. Oh, <laughs> Lucky you didn't is... do that in lo- lockdown, you know. I, d- I did. I started oh, in lockdown. In the house? So in the house, oh, yeah. Shit, I started, God, with, I started learning last March. <laughs> and I'm, it's in- incredible that she hasn't broken up with me, to be honest. <laughs> just all day long, just me scratch. Because I needed, I needed something oh. to distract myself. A, a, a huge challenge to distract myself from the from the chaos of the situation and I was like right I've got no gigs there's, there's, there's nothing on this is the best time to try and learn a new skill so while everyone else was baking their sword and all that crack <laughs> I was screeching and scratching away have you um, checked out uh, Martin Hayes he did a, a couple of series of YouTube yeah no I'm a, I'm a I'm a Patreon actually lovely so I, I get I, I've been I've been learning via a lot of his uh, his videos which has been really nice because he, the way he approaches music and talks about it and um, is quite uh, attuned to the way I think about music, I think sometimes like he's, yeah, makes a lot, he makes a lot of sense when he talks about his approach to to performing it. And, um, so, yeah. What I, what I found from him as well was um, he, he really made me want to, like I did at the time, pick up and, and learn one of them on the guitar I've forgotten it since, but it was mm. like he uh, he he really can can show uh, how beautiful it can be to play something slow and with heart, yeah. rather than yeah. trying to be you know to have the dexterity of of it seems like tr- traditional music now is just getting faster and faster and faster, you know, yeah. and it's it's losing. Whereas he just is able to just take a breath and go. And you're going, oh, it just straight away just gives you the goosebumps, you know? Yeah, that's what I love about it. Because it's all about the expression and, and the emphasis on different notes. And um doesn't matter. Like you can you can run for a rail or a jig, whatever, top speed, and it just loses all character and shape. And it, it does, it's not telling a story, you know? There's no rise and fall and tension and resolve. It's just notes in a, in a, in a stream. Um, but the way he, the way he plays is is so is so uh, yeah so beautiful. I used to love doing that in I, loved, I used to love accompanying uh, decent players, and I must I must get back to it now after after this year because I haven't done it in years, and it's like mm-hmm. and having and thinking of it in the way where okay you've got an A B section that's going to be repeated about three times, so how can the accompanist then you know make mm. each of those different and come to like a beautiful resolution rather than it mm. just being da 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 da, da chomping yeah. through you know mm. I must get back to that there yeah it's it's hard to accompany I, I find it I, I find it it's a totally different ball game uh, playing acoustic guitar in, in a traditional Irish situation than just in like a pop rock situation or a folk situation because yeah, you really have to know the tunes and 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 try and not get in the way of of the melody and trying to try and add a rhythmic sort of element without you, you know 
mucking things up. I I can't. I rubbish at it. So yeah. I don't know. Tricky. I mean, I, I'd imagine you probably would. You'd probably be quite good in, in terms of like I I love. Uh, it's probably Dennis Cahill or Cahill that that would have put it into me at the very start. Yeah. Where it's like going, you don't have to. You don't have to just. You don't have to do it that way. You know, you can just. Yeah. Do your you own do thing and bring it. To, yeah. And it was yeah. it was class, which I I think I mean it's it's pretty much the ethos of of what you're about. You know, you're just sort of mm-hmm. you're going by instinct. You're going by rather than sort of trying to follow a, a formula. Without giving too much away, like I mean, where does it go from here? I've no idea. <laughs> uh, <laughs> honestly, I've been I have been thinking about it a lot, but I've been kind of more occupied with all the sort of little in between projects that I'm gonna do. Um, I'm doing a, a sort of instrumental thing with uh, with Emily. She's doing she's doing some weaving, like wall hangings. That I'm sort of writing instrumental music just to go with it, the wall hangings, and they're going to have like an exhibition. So we'll hopefully do that at some point next year. And then I've been writing with a few different people, and I've been doing a bit of. A, well, I have a new project that with my brother called Shakt Lena, Shak Lena, and it's it's sort of slow, traditional post rock kind of vibes, and. Hoping, hoping to write an album of that of that music next year as well. So, and then maybe do a bit of, like electronic stuff. So I, I'm just kind of uh, all over the place with a few different projects. And then once I've kind of tied a few of those up, finished those, I'll, I'll I'll start thinking about the next album. I don't want a bit too much too much thought into it too soon. Nice one, <laughs> nice one. Well, here lad, I'm gonna sign off for now on this here, even just to sort of make sure I get a wee anton because uh, I've, I've tortured you enough there. Uh, but uh, Joshua thanks very much for uh, for joining me sir and see you at yours and look to see what you've got coming up no 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 that's shit that's shit <laughs> <laughs> it's tricky when you put the pressure on yourself to like <laughs> get to get it right <laughs> so Joshua cheers thanks very much for joining me on uh, see you at yours brilliant thank you, thank you very much <laughs> oh, fuck. I fucked it up now <laughs> Fuck off, we're here. (laughs) I'll do grand, frigate. Just just keep that whole end in there. (laughs) Just as is. It'll be perfect. Oh, God. And there you go, folks. Another episode of See You at Yours draws to a close. Many thanks to my wonderful guest, Joshua Burnside, a lovely fella and just an enormous talent. Make sure and check out all his stuff, especially his last album, Into the Depths of Hell. It's just a wonderful work. Many thanks, of course, to Two Stacks Whiskey for helping me bring this podcast to you. If you're liking on Spotify, make sure to follow it. We've got a lot of good ones coming up. If you're listening on iTunes or you can leave a review, subscribe. But I'll see you again. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs>